0: hey GP learners, in this episode I'm going to show you how to improve your productivity whilst working as a GP, whether that's in general practice or whether it's as a clinical director. So let's take in hands your primary care and learning. If this is the first time we're meeting, I'm Dr. Gandalf, VGP Learning, Rather I look at supporting you with technology-enhanced primary care and learning. And in this episode, I'm going to show you some of my top tips to improve your productivity, whether that's working in clinics or whether that's working in administrative roles or clinical director roles like myself, and a few apps and other kind of resources that are going to make you work quickly, effectively, and definitely save your time. Hopefully, you'll find this really useful. As always, subscribe so you get all of our content, either by ringing the bell above or make sure you leave a review so that I get all your comments about whether this is actually helping you or not because I'd love to know that. As always we're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, podcasting platforms everywhere. Contact me if you want. Let's get straight to the episode. Shall we begin? Hi AGP learners. So let's get cracking with showing you how you can improve your productivity in general practice This is applicable whether you're a GP seeing patients or whether you're working as a clinical director or other kind of roles as well. So there's lots of tips here. I'm going to show you starting off with this PowerPoint presentation, and we're going to cover a few different hints and tips as we go along. When I asked this question originally on social media, I did actually ask two particular questions from people. So what is the main thing that you want tech to help you with as a clinical director and that kind of thing to try and understand how productivity can be improved? And then also, what's the main time sink that people had as clinical directors? The reason why I asked this is because it's those particular roles that seem to have a lot of challenges right now. But as I said, this was applicable no matter what role you kind of do in general practice. I got quite a few answers and I summarised them into these particular categories. The main one, simply put, was time. People just said they didn't have enough time to do things. Next up was things like communication overload. This you can clearly understand in terms of the challenges we have in general practice or whether you're working in one of these administrative kind of roles and stuff that you're just getting information from everywhere meeting overload was a massive one you can understand this from a clinical director perspective but even in general practice working as a gp clinically you end up having lots of meetings that revolve around your patients whether they're direct clinical things or things like quaff practice meetings all that kind of stuff and that can feel like a bit overloaded and then lastly i'm talking about tech so people kept asking me about the fancy tech as i like to call it so things like video consultations is then tools that you can use to try and help you definitely but what I would say is actually when you're trying to improve how you're working and your productivity, it's not necessarily about the tech, but it's about the process you put in place to try and help you with this. So we're going to have a look at those. And i summarize that into four main issues. So number one, prioritization is one of the key ways of trying to help yourself save time. But we're going to look at that in a bit more detail. Looking at your workflow is really important. So I'm going to show you a few tips and stuff to help improve the workflow and analyze it a little bit as well. Communication, people are talking about information overload and communication overload. So we have to kind of talk about that really, don't we? And then lastly, one of the best ways of trying to help you, automation itself. So how you can put things in place that mean that you're not having to deal with them. Let's have a look at this, shall we? So let's start off by looking at prioritization. So the most important thing when it comes to prioritization is having a system. do not really matter what the system is. There's loads of books out there showing you how to make a system. But as long as you've got one, that's the main thing. Easy system to have is to have a to-do list. Now, you can do this simply by pen and paper, writing things out. Um, if you're going to do that, have a look at something called bullet journaling. It's a really effective way of managing your list with pen and paper. And particularly those people who don't like digital interfaces, definitely recommend it. I'll put a link in the notes for that. Alternately, you can use things like list apps and that kind of stuff. Now, some of the clinical systems have these inbuilt. Not really well, though, if I'm being honest. So it's better to have a different system. For me, the best kind of to do this kind of thing is using something called the Eisenhower Matrix Method. So I'm going to show you what that is. So this is in reference to President Eisenhower, um, and he basically created this matrix. So it's importance versus urgency of the tasks that you need to do. And he will put them into one of four categories. So urgent and important, so you have to do it there and then. Urgent um, but not important. And typically he would say those are the kind of things that you can delegate. Not urgent but important. You need to schedule these for a later time. And then lastly, not important and not urgent. So basically, stuff you don't really need to be doing. And that's the key category to look at. Because actually, if there's things you don't need to be doing, could these be given to, for example, administrative staff? Is this a process you can look at? Or is this somebody else that needs to be doing this if you're an administrator yourself, you know, clinical director and things, why are you doing the things that aren't urgent and not important? Worth having a look at. And if you want an app that can help you do that, My personal preference is something called Ike. So it's called the Ike app Um, it runs on Android. I'm afraid it's not available for Apple people. Um, There are similar kind of things around if you want to have a look at those. But I do like the Ike app app. and the reason why I like it, every time you want to put a task in, you click the little circle here and then it asks you to slot which of these categories you want to put in. So is it focus, which was the urgent and important goals, which was the um, urgent but not important Um, fit in was the important um, but not urgent and then back burner was your not important, not urgent and it just makes you think where do I need to stick this you can then use other kind of things like putting a reminder on putting notes in, audio, video, all that kind of stuff really good app and I've been using it for a while really has helped my workflow next up in terms of productivity this is something I recommend to a lot of colleagues I come across and it's this concept of what's called the three frogs there's various different versions of it but simple basis, the way I describe it to people, is imagine your life and death situation was that you had to eat three frogs sitting in front of you. Didn't have a choice on this. You had to eat them. Which would you choose first? The answer? Biggest, fattest, most annoying one. And the reason for that is if you've got that one down, the other two are easy in comparison. And that's exactly the same when it comes to tasks that you have to do on a daily basis. So, for example, if you've got a patient interaction that you know is going to be very difficult and challenging and you're just kind of putting it off, actually, that's probably the worst thing you can do. The reason for that is if you do everything else that you need to do before you get to that one, you're getting to it a little bit tired, not as fresh as you'd like to be. And therefore it makes that interaction more unpleasant, both for yourself and potentially with the patient same with the tasks that you might have to do, whether it's you know talking to somebody about arranging a meeting, whether it's you know, a commissioning decision, something like that. Actually, by doing it first, that's the hardest part of your day done. Everything else is theoretically easier after that, so get it done first. Another method is something called the two minutes method. So this is a, typically used with email prospects and stuff. And simply put, if you can deal with an email within two minutes, do it. Just do it there and then. And you're fine. And then leave the more complicated, longer kind of tasks to later. And you do those at the end. I kind of trim it down a little bit. I take it down to 30 seconds because when it comes to clinical tasks and stuff, the majority of those kind of things I can do in that time frame. And then I leave the longer kind of things to later. So a really good example of that is the clinical letters. We get a quick little scan of the letter, figuring out if this is something that I can do there and then, or is it something that's going to take a little bit longer? If it is, I will leave it and come back to it at the end, so I'm dealing with them. So I've got a bit more time to dedicate to dealing with that. There's some simple methods to try and help improve your systems of how you tackle productivity. But the key thing is to have a system itself. In order to make that system stick, there's lots of theory around this. Some people say 20 days, 21 days. I kind of say you need to have it running for 30 days in a row. The reason for that? Well, 30 days is a month, so it makes it easy for people to try and plan for that. So you can have a calendar on your thing and say, I'm going to do this for a month. Psych yourself up for it. Number two, it generally takes 10 days to change a habit. If you're doing it on a regular basis consistently, to make that initial change takes 10 days. It takes another 10 days to solidify the actions that you're doing. And then finally, the last 10 days is basically to practice it on a regular basis. Hence why 30 days. And the things you can do to help with that. Well, I I find an app called Habitica, which I've reviewed previously for the EGP Learning, and I'll stick a link down below if you want to have a look at that video. It's a really fun app, if I'm being honest, because it helps you grow a little person to try and basically go off and do mythical battles and kind of World of Warcraft style. But you only get to do that if you keep doing the tasks that you've dedicated yourself that you have to do. So it kind of rewards you for maintaining those changing habits kind of things. And you can have simple things on there that, you know, you remind yourself to do, like, for example, brushing your teeth, um, you know, checking your emails in the morning or whatever, or, you know, doing exercise. A really important one there, obviously. Um, but it's a great way of doing that, I find, from a digital perspective. You can create other methods like accountability partners. And in a sense, the app is kind of that. But I really like it and it's a good way of trying to do things. There are plenty of other ways. Lastly, it's important that you have a way of monitoring the system that you're doing. Um, and There's different ways and things you can consider for this clearly. you know, Writing down what you're doing, all that kind of stuff. I reviewed a system that I prefer called Clockify, which allows you to track the kind of work that you're doing. It is an active tracker, um, so you do have to click yes and no how you're doing it. Um, And if you want to have a look at that, like I said, I'll put the link down below. It's important to try and track what you're doing because then you can look at the areas of your time or things that are taking up your time and analyze how to improve those because actually if there's things you're doing that you shouldn't really be doing why are you doing it um, but you need that information in order to change that it'd be great if we can use passive trackers unfortunately NHS IT does have an issue with doing a lot of that because of putting them on the for example your computer at practice Nothing to say you can't do it on your own smartphone though. So if you did want to do that, having your smartphone on the side and using um, a tracker like Clockify or there are other kind of ones that are available um, can be a really effective way of tracking your time and giving you the metrics you need in order to analyse that kind of stuff. Next up is workflow. So first and foremost, look at how you're working. Best tip with that this false myth about multitasking in general practice is absolutely awful. And the reason for that is the type of work particularly we do in general practice is complex tasks. And actually multitasking when you're doing a complex task is potentially even unsafe. So the whole concept of multitasking as a GP isn't a great one. What is a better way of doing it is to batch your tasks. So what this effectively means is, for example, in your work day, if you had to do your pathology results, don't keep going back and forth to your pathology results to check if there's some more and to to deal with them because actually you're creating attention diversion. You're jumping from one complex task to another complex task because you may have to dedicate some serious thinking time to analysing those results, the process, how it works and the outcome for the patient. And actually that's using different parts of your brain that you have to switch back and forth to. It's much better to timetable in your day, 20 minutes or so just to do your pathology Make sure it's at a set point in the day. If you're you know, risk averse and you want to do it twice a day, fine. But don't keep going back and forth. And it's the same when you're doing multiple different things. Another mm-hmm. example of this is when you're on call, having multiple patients open at the same time. Clearly that can be a risk in terms of how you use it and stuff. So try not to. Um, one of the things I insist to my staff when they you know, have an on-call issue is that I will make sure I finish the one that I'm doing no matter what, unless clearly it's a life and death situation. Number two. Organize your space to work. Um, so there's different ways you can do this, but basically knowing where everything is and making sure it's all stocked up, quick and easy kind of way of trying improving your workflow. Um, so, you know, having your prescription pads full in your printer, for example, make sure there's plenty of paper, making sure you can get to your thermometer caps quickly and easily if you need to. So you're not having to waste time going back and forth and things. This is the same when you're working in administrative kind of or clinical director kind of roles. So, for example, you've got lots of different places that you keep files online or whatever. Actually, don't do that. Try and have one place that everything is or one place at least that you can search really quickly and effectively. And lastly, switch off notifications. Um, So you may be sitting in practice with lots of different things open, like your email, social media, all that kind of stuff. Don't. It's a massive time sink. Um, You know, some people say that they check their phone throughout their clinical time because of their lives and they want to know what's going on. Actually, you probably find if you left your phone at home for one day, you get so much more work done, or potentially even better, get home quicker. So switch off the notifications, and particularly the ones that you don't need to see. Great tip on that is switching off the notifications in System 1, and I show that in my System 1 user preference video. I'll, again, put links for that. Then it's important to look at the information flow that you've got. So, for example, I analysed how many different places information comes to me as a GP when I'm working my clinical practice. I couldn't. I overfilled two pages of A4. That's how many different ways information comes to me sitting in my clinic working clinically. That's not great, is it? And trying to respond to all those different ways is also awful. So definitely when you're in practice, try and limit the flow of information to you so it comes through one or two different methods. Unfortunately there's always going to be a few different ones like tasks on the system phone calls that kind of stuff but try and streamline things so the majority come to you through one route because then when you're dealing it one route it's easier for you to handle cuz you know this is the main place I need to look at for majority of my workflow It's exactly the same with emails and so in terms of communication with other people again in that administrative or clinical role uh, leadership role you know um, have a method of communication that works for you whether that's email whether that's whatsapp whether that's a different method clearly don't use whatsapp for patient stuff Um, but having all of your communications come to you through one preferred method of communication makes your life a lot easier. In terms of trying to manage all this workflow and stuff, so quick couple of tips. Um, Number one, I use it as Asana for my project management style of things. So uh, as I'm working as a clinical director, everything I have for my clinical director role, I stick on an app called Asana, which is free to use, up to about 15 people, and it's just me using it. But I use that to put timelines in terms of when I have to do particular tasks, recurring tasks, that kind of stuff. And again, like most platforms, you can put images, information extras, kind of stuff in there. And secondly, BlueMail is probably one of the best email apps I've found for using um, in, in basically point blank. But the reason why I like BlueMail, number one, it allows you to um, defer tasks to later in the day or later in the evening, that kind of stuff. So making it a bit easier for you to deal with your emails in batch kind of process. But also it won't wipe your phone when you put your NHS.net email account on there. So you may have noticed that if you don't put your um, NHS email onto your phone, for example. A lot of the systems will ask for you permission to wipe your phone if your phone gets lost and stuff. Um, Blue Mail doesn't because it accesses the email in a slightly different way. So it's a really good tip in terms of using that if you want to protect your phone. Next, up, we're going to talk about communication. So we've kind of gone through this slightly already with the kind of making sure the information comes to you versus how you want to flow and things. But that's not always possible. And I say that again as a clinical director. So there's ways I prefer information to come to me. But then I also have to communicate with other clinical directors and stuff. And they may work in a different way. So it's finding the best way that works between you and other kind of people. Um, and, and like I said, try and pick a way that works best for everybody. But at the same time, only one or two ways at most. Another way of trying to reduce and improve communication is via video conferencing. So I've done a few videos on this and why I love it so much. But simply put, having video conferencing just saves time. It means you're not having to deal with transport time to meetings. It means if you need a meeting quickly with a few very busy people like GPs, you can probably arrange it a lot quicker because of less of the the transport issue. But also a lot of the video conferencing systems allow you to record the meeting, so to access outside of stuff and make the whole prioritization and productivity side of it a lot more effectively. I'll pop in the video that shows you how that in a bit more detail. When talking about communication, and I have to talk about social media and stuff. Um, there's various different ways that you can use social media to improve your communication. Definitely ways you can use social media to make your communication worse. Um, but in terms of being effective with it, Follow a lot of the principles I mentioned about notifications and that kind of stuff already. You could use mailing lists as a method of communication, particularly as a clinical director and with the new PCNs kind of working and and network working. I think this is something we will see. Hearing about some clinical directors using podcasting as a method to communicate with people, as well as things like Instagram can be a really good way. Quick visual kind of method of recording a video that you can put out to people to follow what you're doing as a clinical director and stuff. Definitely important it's making sure you establish the best way of communicating with people. For example, if you're doing work in practice, there's some really good systems out there. In my practice, we currently use a system called TeamNet as a method of communication. And actually, we've got to the point now where we're trying to reduce all paper communication within our practice and everything goes through TeamNet. By convincing and showing people that actually all your access has to be through this one route, makes things safer, makes it more updated because there's an audit trail as well. But as well, when people are aware that this is the way it goes, it works a lot more effectively. I've listed a few tools that might help you with this kind of thing. So definitely in terms of the video conferencing and that kind of stuff, I'm a big fan of a platform called Zoom. There are other ones out there that like Skype for Business, and particularly a lot of places will probably have their IT refreshes that mean that they can access Skype for Business for free. WhatsApp is often used by many as a method of communication. Quick little tip I'm going to show you. WhatsApp Web. So this is how you can use WhatsApp through a desktop. And you can see this is a method here. I've kind of covered some of the parts so you can't see all my personal conversations and things. But an extra little tip, when you're using WhatsApp, create a group with somebody else and then ask that person to leave the group or boot them out. Then what you've effectively got is a group for you. So you can send information to yourself. Why is that useful? There's loads of PCN-based WhatsApp groups at the moment, and a good tip is to actually copy that stuff over to your WhatsApp web, and then you can use it from a desktop interface quickly and easily because actually the file side of it is transfer is instant pretty much. So I find that really helpful. If you're looking at creating a community around what you're doing, you can consider apps that allow you to do that. So the BMA have actually invested in a platform called Blink to try and help communicate with the clinical directors as they move away from the list server, because, to be honest, it's awful as a list server method of communication. Blink's okay. Um, if you're looking for a free method, Mighty Networks is a great platform that allows development of communication and community building. So whether that's within your practice, whether that's within your network, um, really effective. Clearly, do not stick patient information on there. It is not viable for that use. But in terms of organization, community building, really useful. Similarly, if you want to create your own mailing list kind of method, um, MailChimp or MailerLite are really good ways of doing that um, and effective and simple to use. And lastly, if you're looking at trying to establish the needs of your practices, your network, feel free to check out my Dr. Pestles toolkit, which allows you to try and scope out the kind of needs that you, your practice and your network potentially may have and compare to try and make things a little bit easier for you guys. Lastly, we're going to cover automation. So um, one of the important things is when you've got loads of different tasks that you're doing and trying to do and you want to figure out how to work is are you the best person to do this? If you can answer that question, you're off to a great start. And the reason being, often you may not be. And that's one of the frustrations I know a lot of GPs have out there. They end up doing tasks that other people can do, probably better than them, um, but they're being lumped with it. So you need to find those tasks. And that's why we talked about things earlier, like um, using Ike or, or that kind of stuff in terms of a matrix to establish what those tasks are. And then scoping in terms of timeframes using Clockify and that kind of thing. But then look at the people around you. It may be that you've got support teams like your practice administrative team or if you're working within networks, is there people within the CCG or the support team that you're using that can do these kind of tasks better? For example, for me, the extended hours submissions that we have to do, you know, I could do that, but to be honest, the um, support team that we have do it far better and my main thing is just checking them that they've done it, simply put. Or you can even look at things like virtual assistants. Um, So this, I think, is something we're going to increasingly see in primary care. And we're seeing that with working at scale as well, having the ability to have virtual people working with you, whether that's based in your practice, in another practice, or even buying it if you need to. It's not that expensive at times, but worth looking into. Important to have templates. Um, what I mean by this is clearly there's clinical templates that can help save you time, whether it's documenting things like text expanders um, or whether it's using protocols and, and templates within your clinical system like flu jabs, COPD templates, that kind of stuff. But even in the work that we're, you're doing, for example, as a clinical director, there may be various different types of submissions and things that if you look at it from a particular perspective, it's just a lot easier. So having template responses, um. Copy and pasting can be a great way um, or using copy and pasting tools within your browser and that kind of stuff can help to make your life a lot easier. I have one on my phone, for example, called SwiftKey, um, which I can set particular things that I use like web links that I'm often sending to people or you know text responses that I'm commonly adding into people and I just save them so I can quickly copy and paste it into it definitely a big way of saving your time calendar automation um so uh, one of my recent episodes i've covered a tool called calendly um which i really love it saved me so much time because i take away the whole negotiation aspects of when i'm free when the other person is free to arrange a meeting nowadays i simply just send them the link to my calendly kind of toolkit and then they can book the time that suits them it just saves so much time and when you use it this is kind of what it looks like so if i sent you my pcn link for example this is what you get you click on one of the days that and when you do this is the slots that you get the free once you click on one of them it sends me an email to say that you booked it and uh, i can then decide if that's appropriate or not for me or if there's any questions i want to ask and then yep yeah, book, meetings booked and sorted quick and easy really and um, Alternately, you can use other kind of tools to help with things like writing. Um, so I'm awful when it comes to writing because I type pretty quick and therefore my accuracy, unfortunately, is not the greatest. Um, I use a quick little toolkit called Grammarly that helps me figure out my grammar and my spelling a lot better than some of the inbuilt ones in things like Word and that kind of stuff because it works across browsers and I tend to access my email through a browser because it's just a bit easier for when I'm at work and stuff. And finally, if you're looking at you know tools to help, again, work with, cross-working, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, cloud-based networks, so Evernote, Google Drive, Office, that kind of stuff can be really effective at storing things and helping to access that information quickly and effectively. And often the search capabilities in these are really good that can make you know allocating and uh, cataloging all that kind of information easier for yourself. Definitely recommend looking at those. Um, obviously, Office is one of the ones that most people probably used to using just because on NHS computers and stuff, that's pretty much what's available. And and with um, Office 6, 365 becoming more and more available to practices, that's clearly something we'll see. But there are other systems, just make sure, obviously, patient data, no in those. So, in summary, I'm going to give you my simple tips. So, one, find a system and one that works for you. Don't feel you have to go off and create your own massive system or you have to go read tons and tons of books about them, but just find something that works for you and make a little change that you find easy to do. Plan your time. It's the most important thing you can do because if you plan your time and allocate it, for example, having in your um, um, appointment slots, for example, set parts that are booked out for this is when I'm going to do my pathology results, this is when I'm going to do my letters, this is when I'm going to do my emails. It just makes life a little easier because you're working to a rotor in a sense, but it gives you that structured reminder to do it, but also prioritizes your time. And try and automate what you can. So in terms of finding the tasks that you don't need to do and aren't urgent, important, and then automate the things that, you know, just make life easier, like booking meetings and stuff, like not having to write out the same thing over and over and over again. Automate what you can. It will save you so much time. So, guys, I hope you found that really useful. Um, If you've got any questions, feel free to contact me. I'd love your feedback. And if you wanted the links or the presentation from this, you can access it for free. All you have to do is sign up at this link. So um, bit.ly slash PCN CD resources, um, and all lowercase and stuff. And when you do, you'll get uh, an email with all the details and PowerPoint presentation as well as all the web links for every one of these um, systems I've shown you and stuff. Love your feedback. As I said, you can contact me on my website, uk. YouTube channel, EGP Learning YouTube, as you can see there, um, or subscribe to any of our platforms, whether it's on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, or podcasting. If you're listening to me, guys, Hi, hope you found this useful and effective. And that's egplearning.co.uk slash subscribe. Really would like to hear your comments and thoughts on this. And as always, I'm here to try and help save you and your patient's time by taking hands in your primary care and learning. Catch you in the next episode.